Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. Heroism by Thomas Cole. Presented by Kevin Alfred Strom. On this day, 11 September 2021, America remembers the firefighters, policemen, and first responders who died at Ground Zero 20 years ago. We remember them as heroes. No doubt, many remarkable and selfless deeds were done on this day, worthy of praise and remembrance. But there is a difference between a heroic selfless deed and a heroic soul, a heroic mindset and a heroic life on the world historical stage. In our present and very strange time, the use of the word hero is as inflated as our currency and as perverted as the self-righteousness of our politically correct anti-white ruling class. The downfall of the term hero really started to take off a few years after the World Trade Center collapse. And I also think it was deliberately set into motion by our Jewish political elite. Now, purple-haired mutants who come out as perverts are deemed heroes shriveled souls who search decades-old letters and speeches for words that are now forbidden to ruin careers and lives are heroes. Leering bureaucrats and drug pushers who cynically use a disease as a way to advance their careers or increase their power and wealth are, quote-unquote, heroes. By inflating something, even the meaning of a word, one reduces its value. The Jew understands this like no other. The Jew wanted us to kill primitive brown people who were getting uppity in Israel's neighborhood. So, for a while, we had heroes who bombed and killed them with abandon, even though they had exactly zero to do with 9-11. But to Jews, brown people are needed as a weapon against us. So bringing them here after slaughtering their kin in their homes was part of the plan, a process that still continues. Let's look at the most recent inflation of the word hero. Facing the deadly threat of a mild flu, every hero needs a worthy challenge or enemy. A new class of heroes is celebrated on yard signs throughout the country. Thank you, essential workers. Has kind of a Chicom ring to it. Essential workers, what a glorious name. 
nurses, cashiers, salesmen, and the kid that mowed my neighbor's lawn last summer are lauded as saviors of mankind. Whenever I go grocery shopping, I salute the double-masked, obese female of color that hides behind a half-inch of acrylic sheet. Thank you for your service, ma'am. No, actually I don't. I get out of there as soon as possible and get back to building a new world for my people and my children, a world in which she will have no part. To sum up the obvious, the state of heroism, especially white heroism, has massively declined. We went from the Minutemen, from Lexington and Concord, from men fighting for their people's future, to dreadlocked, race-mixing freaks throwing urine bombs and fighting against their own people, or to submissive slaves bowing to the latest insane edicts of their self-appointed traitorous masters. And that's tragic and dangerous. People need heroes, real ones, not just to slay monsters or solve problems, but to guide them as role models. A hero is more than just a remarkable human being. He represents a call to greatness. He opens a metaphysical perspective that transforms our existence into something higher. He shows us something essential that we didn't even know was essential before. We need a hero to become heroes ourselves. And we need to become heroes to save ourselves. Becoming a hero is now an existential necessity for every mentally and spiritually healthy white person who wants to take part in the future. Let's talk about a real hero, our hero, Dr. William Luther Pierce, the founder of the National Alliance. Born on this day in 1933 and still remembered by thousands of men and women he inspired. Talking about true heroes and heroism, one has to define what the term really means. I think Julius Evola got it right in his essay, The Aryan Doctrine of Combat and Victory. The hero realizes that there is a metaphysical level of existence, a higher meaning. He finds himself embedded in a cosmic struggle between the forces of life and death, the never-ending holy war of existence. And he has come to the conclusion that he has to take sides in this cosmic struggle. He has heard the call and answered it. The holy war itself has two aspects. 
it takes place within the world under the influence of various historical circumstances. With two factions fighting, one is always representing the forces of darkness and disintegration, while the other represents life and light. Evola refers to the war on the material plane as the small or minor war. The greater war is of a spiritual nature. It takes place within the hero himself. Here he has to fight his inner demons, tropisms really, which tend to corrupt and pervert him, that seek to force or lure him onto the path of self-degradation and self-destruction. The internal struggle is of greater relevance than the external one, because the eventual outcome of the war is decided there. The hero might fall in battle, but still be victorious, overcoming the forces of death within, while on the other hand the villain may temporarily prevail on the material plane, but may ultimately lose the greater war, since he has internally surrendered himself to the forces of death. The precondition to survival and victory is laid in the souls of men. William Luther Pierce was a hero much greater than the mere facts of his life might imply. He heard the call to arms and followed it without hesitation. His biography by Robert Griffin is a testimony to his supremely radical devotion to the survival and well-being of his people. Pierce, a physicist, worked as a college professor and then as a researcher in private industry. He had a wife and children, and he was well paid for doing what he loved, a blessing only few of us are granted, and he enjoyed good health and lucid intelligence. He had everything one could reasonably dream of, and taking his great mind, talent, and discipline into account, there really were almost no limits to what he could have achieved within society's framework of conventional success. And yet, he sacrificed it all without a moment's hesitation, when destiny called upon him to take up the fight against the enemy. And what an enemy he faced, cunning, deceiving, rich and powerful beyond all others, and endlessly scheming to weaken and destroy our race, while at the same time exploiting its genius and stealing its wealth. The International Jew. He took on an enemy that smaller men would claim we could never hope to defeat. But his lifelong resistance to the Jew that 
bought him the hatred of the system and the admiration of millions of racially conscious whites across the globe was only the small war. In his quest to save his race, he willingly suffered countless hardships and heartbreaks, poverty, uncertainty, and many, many defeats and setbacks. By his enemies, he was and is depicted as an outcast, pariah, and monster. Yet his heroic spirit kept him going, kept him fighting against all odds, until all too soon his body eventually succumbed to the unbearable pressure. But again, this was only the small war he fought. The greater war took place in his soul, in his mind, invisible and quiet. I'm talking about those dark hours many of us know and dread, when our demons, our doubts and fears, suddenly emerge from the abyss of our souls and start shaking the foundation of our convictions. The greater one's mind and the deeper one's commitment to the truth, the stronger the doubts that have to be faced. Is it worth sacrificing my life, my talent, my ambition to this cause? Am I even right? Or are my enemies correct when they call me a monster? I can't possibly win. Why not give up and enjoy whatever life has to offer? Most men give in at some point or other. We pacify the demons by compromising, walking on the path of gradual destruction, or submitting ourselves to the seductive lies society keeps whispering in our ears, putting on the light yokes our smiling masters hold ready. We compromise on our convictions, our beliefs, and by compromising we murder the truth. Not completely, of course, and not all at once. The death of the coward is slow, and he thinks it will be painless. We give in just a little bit at a time, and then maybe a little more. Another small compromise to earn a necessary convenience. Shut your mouth and keep the job, keep the pension. Close your eyes to the sickness that has befallen your people. Pretend not to hear the cries of anguish and suffering that would, very inconveniently, call you to take a stand and pick a side. You become mute, blind, and deaf. But you can still think what you want. Or can you? And so do many of us succumb to our inner foe until we eventually disappear in the soulless and dying mass that is the rotting flesh of our so-called civilization.
Not so, William Luther Pierce. Heroically, he faced his inner demons and overcame them. He stood strong and toiled relentlessly for the truth, teaching, writing, publishing, organizing, speaking, inspiring, gathering his people, and building the National Alliance, the organization that will serve as the keystone for a new golden age for our race. Dr. William Pierce is more than his deeds and his teachings. His life itself, the life of an accomplished yet seemingly mainstream white American who became a hero, serves as an example for us. We too can cultivate the heroic mindset that he embodied. Let us on this day, 11 September 2021, remember and celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. William Luther Pierce, who would have celebrated his 88th birthday today by committing ourselves to the cause of the National Alliance building his dream of a new consciousness, a new order, a new people, into a reality for all the ages to come. <laughs>